Welcome to Positive Disintegration Podcast. This is episode 14, Relationships and Vulnerability. Welcome back, happy listeners, and thank you for joining us on another episode of Positive Disintegration Podcast, a framework for becoming your authentic self. I'm your host, Emma Nicholson, and my co-host is Dr. Chris Wells. Hi, Chris. How are you today? Hi, Emma. I'm well, thanks. How are you? I'm great, and I'm interested about today's topic, which is relationships. I'm interested, too. I think that this is going to be a great episode, and I am excited about it. And I know you, Chris, you have a, a particular feeling about relationships um, and Dabrowski and not only what the theory means for the relationships, but also your relationships within the community. That's right. I have to admit that I never expected when I started learning about the theory that it would connect me with so many people from so many places and that it would give me so much and, and the theory also makes a big difference when you're viewing your own personal relationships as well. So I'm interested to see what, what comes out about that. It will be interesting. I agree. So without any further ado, our guest today is Michelle Kane. Michelle is Professor Emerita in Special Education from Northeastern Illinois University, where she coordinated the Master of Arts in Gifted Education program for over a decade. She's been active in national and international organisations in leadership roles, and a primary interest is enhancing well-being for gifted people across their lifespan. Welcome to the podcast, Michelle. Thanks so much. Thank you, Emma, and thank you, Chris. And I'm going to jump right in without further ado. I almost didn't want to have you read that bio because I wanted to start talking about relationships right off the bat, and especially related to Dabrowski. Uh, what I can tell you about my relationship with Dabrowski and my interest in Dabrowski was that like many people who are students, devotees, however you want to describe it, of the work of Casimir Dabrowski is that I was one of those people who had the tremendous aha experience, who had the, when the theory was explained to me and when I became I know exactly where I was. I know exactly, I have, you know, in some ways, an eidetic memory of that event because it was so uh, emotionally charged. It was so intense and it was so healing and it was so scary and it was all these things all at one time. And so when we're talking about relationships, what I wanted to say was the first thing about Dabrowski's theory is that oftentimes learning about it is it changes your relationship with yourself. And so that's the piece where I really want to get started because my identity, I would say, was crystallized in that moment. My identity was that, you know, you talk about authenticity. I had never felt that sense of authenticity until there was this outside framework that helped me to be able to explain so many of the pieces in my life and my life experiences that I'd never been able to explain to myself. And I consider myself a pretty smart person and I'm a super curious person and I like to research things. And I've been like that ever since I was a kid. And so I've been interested in um, the psychology of the gifted before there were words for that. I did that as a child, explored 
different people and their personalities. And so this is the place that that for me was the, was the jumping off part point was this relationship with myself. And that's actually a thing that we hear pretty commonly. Like either people come to this theory um, because they've got gifted kids um, mm-hmm. and they want to make the relationship with them better, but also too it like changes the way you see yourself and like we have lots of people like Chris and I included who have that like kind of aha moment and it's really sort of profound. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's very hard to, to describe. I've tried, I've tried to put it into words um, many times, but for me, what it felt like, I can tell you internally what it felt like. It was sort of like, um, you know, the, it was sort of like the keys in a tumbler. It's just like, boom, 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 everything fit together and in it lot unlocked this this opportunity for me to be able to explore my inner world in a way that I hadn't been able to do so in the past and so that was just it was just very very um overwhelming first of all in terms of emotion but I I need to tell you so this was this was quite a long time ago so this was before the internet I didn't have at my fingertips podcasts and 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 research journals and all kinds of things like that there were there were very very few uh people I was one of the first people to hear Dr. Linda Silverman do an all-day presentation on counseling the gifted in Chicago for the Illinois Association, I think it was actually the Illinois Gifted Association was different at that time. Uh, I heard this presentation because I do have a background in counseling. And so I went to this presentation. And then, of course, it was just like eating chocolate, like, right, I just needed to get I had to just get filled with everything that I could find. And so I, I remember going to the library and I needed to, I would needed to get volumes one and two. I mean, the references were there and I just had to have it. And so the only place that had it was at the University of Illinois, which was pretty far from my house. And it was a a three month wait for me to get that. And I remember, can remember opening the books and, and seeing them and you know, and just, and just being in tears because I was, I felt like, you know, I, I just felt like it was the Bible. It was like you know, something that, that was going to unlock the secrets of the universe for me. And in some ways it did. That led to my really wanting to talk to Michael P. Husky, who, you know, I prayed at his altar. I thought he was the closest thing to God that I had ever known in my life. And so um, he was at Northwestern and I lived in a suburb that was about 35 miles from there and not too far. And so I had an old rotary dial phone. I can, I can see myself doing this and I could hear the, in my mind's ear, I can, I can hear the, the thing as I, I looked up his phone number and I would call, I wanted to talk to him so badly and um, he would answer the phone and I would be so overwhelmed that I would just be like, <laughs> and then I couldn't talk anymore. And I would hang up the phone. And that happened for several months. And, you know, these days I would have been probably arrested as a stalker or something, you know, but but that was, that was my first intro to to Michael. And then he, then he moved, he changed universities. And I, I, you know, there, like I said, there was no internet. There wasn't anything you plug in, you know, hear the name of this person and 6 million things pop up. And so I lost track of him until I was very fortunate to be able to go to one of the first, um, with one of my school colleagues, I was teaching at the time in a, in a school for the gifted, one of my friends who insisted, 
you know, Michelle, you're going to do this, that we go to the, to Ashland, where one of the first um, presentations was done about the theory with a group of other kinds of interested folks, scholars, some not, just, just people. And, and, and I will tell you there that I developed some of the relationships that I have now that are some of the deepest and richest relationships of my life that have developed over so many years. And that just led to my passion, both for understanding the theory and wanting to share it. You know, I was like the biggest disciple in the world. Anybody who would listen, I would, I wanted to, to share the, share the good news. I, I was, I was, you know, I was one of those, those folks who wanted to do that. So that's, the piece that I that I really want, Chris started it, uh, this conversation, but, but I, I would really want people to understand is that my experience of the people who study Dabrowski's work is that people have been extraordinarily inclusive and that even though they may seem you know they're, they're standing in some some high uh, mountaintop kind of thing that in reality, there are folks who really want others to know more, to be able to explore, to help people find connection, to uh, help people to take the next steps on that journey towards wholeness. And I think that's been the greatest gift to me. I mean, at people like Chris not too long ago, and, you know, our relationship's been enriched in so many ways and I met somebody for the first time and you Emma tonight. So, you know, it's, it's always enriching and it's exciting. It is. It is. I have been thinking about meeting you and we first met at the Congress in 2018. That was the first time I think that we talked like face to face. And, mm-hmm. you know, I also got to know Dan, your husband at that Congress and then right on the heels of it, we had staying that summer. And so it was really neat to have these two experiences back to back to spend time talking a little bit and get to know you. And that was a big deal for me. And when I went home from saying, it was so interesting to me, I felt this need to reach out and stay connected to you. And it was an interesting experience for me. I really, I mean, I wrote about it at the time and I really let my intuition guide me. And I said, you know, if I feel this strongly that I need to stay connected to these people, I need to just write and say that. And it's just amazing to me that that was almost four years ago, but you're, I mean, you guys are such an important part of my life now. I know. And, and, and it's, it, I think it's one of those things about how, you know, it's just like energetically you're able to, you know, you know, you can use the trite phrases like find my tribe and, you know, all this kind of stuff. But in a sense, it's, it's, there's this connection and it's just like, you know, to be received and to feel seen. These are just, these are incredible experiences for people who, who have been many who have been outliers for such a long time and who have been on the margins and who have felt alone and and are alone. I mean, let's call it, let's name it. You know, they just have been, been, uh, you know, that is their experience of the world. So many people describe themselves as aliens. When I was working with children, they would say that, you know, I got dropped here from a planet that I, I, I can't even find my way here. And, uh, and so when there's that sense of, I mean, we can use all the psychological words we we want, but they're truthful, attunement, resonance, 
right? And so when we feel that sense of attunement, uh, you know, when when that resonance ha- happens, I mean, for many of us, let's talk about even our sense of our insecure attachments and different things like that. It's like, wow, now, you know, we, we know that we're, we're being held in that space. And it, it's, it's not just our energetic body, but it's, you know, it's, it's the whole thing of, you know, our, our neurobiology, you know, our whole self is soothed. I mean, that's how I experience it. It's, it's a calming and it's a soothing and it's, I'm rocking as I'm talking to you, you know, it's just, it's just this, this sense of, of, uh, yeah, of, of just be of being held. And, and going back to what I said originally, I think this is the hardest part is that we then go back and learn uh, all over again, how to hold ourselves. And that's, that's the piece that's, that's really um, a challenge. And I'm going to make myself very vulnerable right now. And I'm going to, and it's based on, uh, Emma, on the piece Chris sent me that, that you wrote about self-care that really um, allowed me to participate tonight. My brother died very unexpectedly five weeks ago, and I'm living in a, in a, in a space emotionally right now that's very raw. Uh, the emotional uh, kinds of, you know, inner inner experiences that I'm having are 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 very extreme, and I wasn't sure that I was going to participate tonight, and I was thinking that maybe it, the timing wasn't good, and then I thought, you know what, if I don't share all of who I am then that's not authentic. This is the authentic me. I'm not always the kind of person that most people would expect to see from me. You know, that's pretty even killed and pretty now because I've been doing this a long time. But it's so important that we are able to, one of the things that I've learned from this theory is that that I have learned that the way that I can be whole is to embrace all of these aspects, all of the pieces. And so in doing that, that's the the pathway for me to be able to to feel integrated. That's the way, and I'm not stable right now in terms of, you know, stability in terms of my family with a loss like that. Somebody wrote to me and said, one of the most challenging pieces is to find a new stability because your family is now out of balance. And I have to integrate that into, you know, into my own self first, and then I can hold space for others. And I've been so comforted by people in this community who have reached out to me with beautiful kinds of messages that, that let me know that their understanding of that exquisite sensitivity is honored. And that's so meaningful to me. One person I wrote to about my experience of losing my brother and what I received back was, Michelle, one of the things that I'm hearing from your words is that you've been able to hold space for those who are the most vulnerable around you. And that made me cry because it's true. And I do that a lot. I hold space for vulnerable vulnerable people a lot, 
But that somebody realized that about me and honored that helps me to be able to do the next right thing. And I think that's, those are the pieces that those beautiful people who have come into my life have enriched it in ways that I, I, you know, I can hardly express it. There really aren't words for it. And I want to talk about this because I think that it's so important that, that we recognize what we mean to each other. And, you know, again, these things can just be trite little phrases, but I'll tell you guys one more funny story. There was a time, I would say maybe about 10 years ago, I'd been to so many seminars. I probably have, Chris knows this and I'm not exaggerating. I probably have 500 self-help books. Um, you know, there anybody who came up with, a, with something else that would help me to expand or enrich or integrate or whatever, you know, I was on it. And so at this point, I was starting to feel really smug really, really smug. And I was thinking, you know what, I think I'm pretty close to enlightenment. I really do. I really think that I've done as much work as I can, that everything's, you know, everything that I see is, is from an elevated consciousness. And I was was feeling pretty, pretty darn good about myself. And then one day I looked in the mirror and I, I realized, and I thought, damn, none of us is done until all of us is done. We're all carrying each other home, right? That's the phrase. And so this is the piece now. I mean, the work, it's never, it's never, there's not a, there's not an end point. I, I'm not here to fix anybody. I'm not here to fix myself. We're just carrying each other home. And, and that I think is the beauty of, of Dabrowski's work and the beauty of just being able to share like this is that, that we can offer that not only to ourselves, but then we can offer it to each other. We can offer it to our families, to our communities. You know, it's Earth Day. We can offer it back to our planet. And, and that's what's going to, that's what's going to sustain and carry us. That was really beautifully said, Michelle. And you just made me think that it's, you know, when I came to the theory, I was really feeling on my own. Um, I was feeling alone in what I was doing. And I was so self-oriented. You know, I came to it while I was doing this autoethnography. And so I was studying my past and I was trying to figure out my traumas and work through them. And the thing that I've realized recently is that, you know, what I've gotten from the theory is that I don't, I'm not alone in this anymore. I mean, I couldn't be (laughs) further from alone at this point. You know, there are so many people in my life and I'm just, it's just so much richer and deeper everything that brought me to this has been transformed. And now I see that I'm just trying to help other people not feel alone. And when you come to the Dabrowski community, that's what you receive in abundance is the mirroring that you have never had and people who get you. And it's like you, you're home for the first time. Yeah. And the, the only way you can do that and, Thank you for sharing yourself, Michelle, and allowing yourself to be vulnerable because I think the only way you can and we can all find a sense of place and not be alone is by sharing that vulnerability and not just the victories, not just, uh, yes, I found the theory, I have a path forward, but it's those horrible, vulnerable moments and I like to call it eating a hot dog. 
because you know hot dogs are full of rubbish, you know, they're full of hooves and bits of pigeon and miscellaneous meat that you don't want to even think about, but you eat it anyway because there's a greater need. And the only way that we're ever going to help people come out of that loneliness is to say, I feel vulnerable too. I get sad too. I get lost too. That's the way that we can connect, but it takes people to have that bravery to share themselves and be wholly authentic and not just be some, you know, social media image of perfection that, you know, people are trying to pretend that their lives are all together. And that's never going to be the way that we connect Mm -hmm. because we all go through those moments of, of tears and trauma and, you know, being lost and without people getting up and saying, I experienced that too. We're never going to find the other people to connect with. So those humans that are like us, that are feeling those things, will never be drawn out of the darkness and we'll never find each other unless we can put our, all put our hands up and say, there are days when I have no idea who I am um, and I just feel lost and completely alone. And by declaring our loneliness, it's actually a way to overcome that very problem. Yeah, and I and I think it's the way that we invite others to connect with us because then, as you said, when we share our vulnerabilities, then there's a there's some sense of you know of recognition. Otherwise, I mean, like as you just said, um, Emma, that it's almost like people are these you know it, it's a false self, and for those people who are seeking authenticity, they can they can sniff that out really quickly, you know, and it's like I. Uh, that's not for me. And boy, I, I would invite people also to to read the Dabrowski poetry, you know, the the work under, you know, under his pseudonym, because I do think that those those moments of that haunting kind of uh, aloneness are, are just so deeply revealed. And that is a way that that people can connect to to this work and then to in through the work to the community. I guess that's the other piece that I, that I wanted to say is that that's really, really helpful. And um, to know that people experience these intensities in um, in really extreme ways and that and that life can change. I will share another little story with you. I'm a storyteller. I don't know if you can tell that. But I was just visiting. Um, one of our we have we have six sons uh, Dan and I together and I was we were just visiting with a family and one of um, my grandkids was having a you know you could characterize it as quite a meltdown you know it was really an extreme meltdown and I heard my son she was upstairs I heard him shout from the bottom of the stairs you know it's really okay to have big emotions I just turned away and I cried because I don't think anybody's ever shouted that to me when I had a moment like that. And and I thought here, it's going to change. This parenting is going to change. People are going to change because we know, you know, the stress and anxiety that's going on right now. We've got people saying we need to start screening kids for anxiety at age eight. This is the latest report that just came out. I don't know if you saw it. Start screening for anxiety at age eight. Start screening for depression a little bit later. I mean, we've got kids, kids experiencing big emotions. And this is a way for us to be able to help parents help their kids, I guess is what I'm trying to say, so that it that trickle down can happen. And 
in, in, in ways that are, um, that do enhance well-being and allow people to flourish because they can know it's all right. It's okay. Yeah. Even though not all gifted people experience overexcitability or these big emotions, some of us do. And those of us do need to have this information. It has to be out there. Yeah. And I'm glad you said that, Chris. I, I, I don't want to generalize and make it seem like every person has, has all of this because it, there's individual. I mean, that's the other piece that that you learn is that we're looking at profiles of, of individuals and each person has just like their, their fingerprints, it's unique signature and they bring to it different kinds of things and developmentally across the lifespan. That's the other piece that, that I like to talk about is that a lot of things will shift and change based on all kinds of things. I mean, we, we just look at our, look at just how the world uh, in this global pandemic has shifted and changed all every sector of our of our of you know of our interactions our our uh, you know our social structures our political structures our educational our economic structures will, will all be forever changed and when people talk about going back to normal there's no whatever that means you know there will there will be a new baseline we don't even know what it is yet so I I think it's important to recognize that in sharing this work that there isn't just one profile or there isn't, you know, sometimes when people talk about the levels and kind of use shortcuts with that, we're, we're looking at, you know, characteristics of level one or two or whatever, however you want to do that. But let's put the rest of this into the mix, right? So let's talk about developmental potential and then what de- developmental potential is comprised of. And then how does that when we're looking at environmental context, it's, it's an aspect of that. How do those contexts shift and change? I mean, you just think about your own life pre-pandemic and post-pandemic and how, how just the seismic shifts. And so, yeah, I think it's really important that one of the things that we recognize is that we can offer ways to, like I said, to connect or ways to be able to address some of the experiences um, that that we have but they're not going to be the same for every person there's just there's just a range and that's that's the way I look at it is but oftentimes I think the range is is um, it's a wider range and the way I used to explain it to to kids is when I was when I would explain try to explain the theory to children or explain to kids um, you know, I would say like, you know, some people have a range like Mariah Carey, it's five octaves. Some people have a range like Bo Diddley, three notes. You can't say one makes better music than the other. It's not a better than or a worse than, it's just an isness. And so you're looking at those, those shades. And I think this is the thing, or if you think about, I like metaphors a lot. If you think about, you know, the box of crayons, a lot of people have the eight pack of crayons in terms of their emotional um, experiences. It's, you know, angry, sad, you know, it's disgust. It's just that that's their emotional expression or emotional range. Some people got the 64 pack with the crayon sharpener. They, you know, and that's why when their emotional range is, or their tone is mislabeled or misunderstood, uh, that they get very upset because they don't feel heard or seen 
where you might say, you're really angry. I can see it in your tone. You're telling me, you're, you know, but I can tell you're angry. And it's like, maybe they're, maybe they're fearful. Maybe they're ashamed. Maybe they're, uh, you know, embarrassed. And, and so that shade of meaning becomes extraordinarily important. I think Dabrowski's theory allows for that range of expression in a way that helps people to accept it regardless of where, where they are, whether it's a more narrow range or a wider range. I agree. And that reminds me of that satellite um, metaphor too, of you know the people with overexcitability having just the, the satellite dish instead of like the, the few channels. It always makes me think of when I was young. I mean, for those of us who are, well, I mean, for me and my middle age now, I mean, it used to be that you had like a very limited number of TV channels and that was it. And there were like the three main networks and, you know, now it's, there's this enormous variety and that's, that is what it's like to have all five overexcitabilities. It's kind of overwhelming. There's no kind of about it. (laughs) But I think too, when you start to understand that about yourself, if you can articulate that, to someone that you're in a relationship in particular, there's a sort of mutual acceptance and go, okay, I can accept that I've got way too many colors than I can arguably deal with. And sometimes I'm coloring with like five or six crayons at the same time. And not even I know what's coming out of that mess. And I can understand that you've got a very more straightforward eight pack of crayons and you're coloring with one color at a time. And I think that that acceptance helps bring people together and, there's a, a group I'm in on Facebook and a question that repeatedly comes up is like, you know, how am I ever going to have deep relationships with other people because I feel so left out? And I, do I have to find someone who's gifted and like has a 64 pack like me? It's like, not necessarily. You just need to have someone in your life that's accepting of the fact that you've got too many crayons. And if you can accept them for their smaller pack, then you'll find that ground in acceptance. Like, you know, you're never going to find an exact replica of yourself to have a relationship with, but you can find someone that compliments you. And if you can find someone that accepts you and you accept them, that's where you build relationships through that empathy and that understanding. Yeah, I really agree with that. And I also think it's it's so important that in terms of that acceptance, there's not, you know, there's not shame, blame, or any of the kinds of things that would make someone again feel other. It's that that sense of belonging, and that's how those belonging needs are so strong. And um, I I like the way that you describe that because I think that's exactly it. Is that in in building those relationships, that's where we start to um, really enhance our, our our understanding and perspective of how. Other people view the world because we only have our own narrow, our own narrow view. I mean, that's we just think that's the way it is. I can't believe how often that happens to me. And I like I know it up here that each person is you you've heard me, you just heard me say it, but to live it and then read somebody else's point of view or perspective on something um, is always uh, um, very enlightening to me. It's why my Dear friend and, and mentor, Anna Marie Roper, the person I wrote my dissertation about, you know, she said, it's the only reason that I prefer fiction over nonfiction. And I said, why? And she said, because, because authors who have these incredible uh, abilities to be able to share rich emotion 
And they're, and she said, I love to delight in that, but they share experiences that I've never felt and I've never had, but I can, I can experience it vicariously through this, through beautiful writing. And I know we've all had experiences like that where people have been able, and it's like, oh, they just named it perfectly, you know, it's, uh, and it helps us to be able to understand our own selves in that way too, which is another thing that I want to talk about just a little bit is that, um, I know that um, probably a book that 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 helped me when I was a teacher of the gifted was a book by Judith Wynn Halstead called Some of My Best Best Friends Are Books, and I wish I had written a book with a title like that. I love that title. I would say that this is another way we can build relationships, and I think Emma, if we helped people to understand that sometimes those relationships, those deep deep relationships, are with our garden or with our pets or with our hobby, or with, you know, our books, that also would lift, like, there's this, this sense that it has to be another human. And it, and it doesn't, sometimes those, those deepest relationships are ones that, that those ex- that are experienced in in ways that are that are soul lifting, think about someone's experience with in, in music. And some people you know, have that as a way to be able to experience the deepest joys that they ever have in their lifetime. Um, It's interesting to me that you brought up Anna Marie right when I had her in my mind, because I thought to myself, I need to mention that, I mean, before we actually met, the summer before we met, I was still working on my dissertation, and I had reached out to you for yours because I was interested. And I mean, of course I was interested on more than one level because I was working on mine and that was interesting, but I knew that you had done yours on Anna Marie and that she was, you know, close friends with Michael who I was getting to know at that time. And now I have taken on this project that as you know, I'm working on where I'm writing about him and studying his life and, That's just another thing about relationships in this community. Having this opportunity to get to know you, to get to know Michael, has really brought Anna Marie to life for me in a way that is so special um, because she, like her wisdom and the things that she would talk about are just so deep. And they, like, sometimes I'll find some notes from Michael or Um, like an excerpt or like a transparency, you know, a slide or something with a quote from her. And it's just incredible. And so I wish that I had had the chance to, to meet her in person. I know it's been like 10 years next month since she died, I think, which is kind of shocking. Almost. Yeah. Almost. Right. Almost 10 years. It's, it's hard. It's hard to believe that. Um, And one of the books that she wrote is beyond old age. The other thing that the, that she left and and gave us was this roadmap of her experiences as she went through the aging process, you know? And I remember as she she would always say to me, Michelle, if you, if you want to ask questions or you want to know something, you better ask now because I'm getting closer to the end of my life than I am the beginning. And she wasn't anybody who was afraid to talk about death. She used to say this. I think she wrote about it in that book too, is that, 
why wouldn't she be curious? She's been curious her whole life. Why wouldn't she be curious about what death was? And she used to say, I just want to peek around the corner a little bit. You know, and I'm not sure I'm ready to go walk through the door, but I want to peek around the corner. And the work that she did on consciousness and the nature of consciousness was it was really it it it's it's very illuminating in terms of uh how she how she brought her wisdom, like you said, Kirsten, into 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 the, her experiences of education and that's what she really felt that her mission was once once she and her family left nazi germany was to uh, bring her philosophy of education which was this dual in complementary self-actualization and interdependence so that was you would come into your best self but you would do it in community it was always about bringing those two things together and I think that that is another really important aspect. And what she believed and she would say was that every day this, that they were able to educate children was a day that they triumphed over the Nazis because that's what they felt was the, that education was, was the path forward. I've seen all of these proceedings over the years from the Dabrowski meetings that there have been, you know, there have been so many. And the one you talked about, like those early ones in Ashland, and I think in the in the nineties it was still like trying, like people were still figuring out, is it going to be like alternating years, U.S. and Canada, who's going to be in charge of it? And you were the one who did the one in twenty eighteen in in Naperville, Illinois, right? You know, and it was a it was so wonderful. I mean, I just I can't even articulate what a special experience it was for me it was really overwhelming you know it was an overwhelmingly positive amazing experience it overwhelmed my emotions that week like I left it and just it, it was hard to integrate that whole experience but I guess what I'm trying to say is like you have been a part of this I know that you have been to so many of these gatherings and right it's been such an important part of your life and one thing that's been so clear to me is just like you are such a generous person and Dan too, like you guys and your generosity just like shines through. And I don't know, that was so clear to me then like at that Congress. And it's been so clear to me, like all of this time. And so, I don't know, this is like a meandering way to say that I know that you've been a big part of like caring for and like tending this community. Yeah. Yeah. That's the word that came to me. Yeah. It's like a caretaker. It really, it is. Thank you for saying that. And for, for, yeah, for giving voice to that, that, that I appreciate that so much. Um, But you're right. There, there was something that compelled me. um, The And, and I was uh, also did the one in St. Charles with, with uh, Cheryl Ackerman. And um, so coordinated that. And even before that, did one in, believe it or not, way, way back in the day with the friend who dragged me to Ashland, Kimberly Romello, uh, at, in Lake Geneva. And so there have been a number of these gatherings. And I, I guess maybe this is a good way to, for us to possibly to end our conversation is to talk about just being invitational. So if you're listening to this and you really want to be in community, there is a 
Congress that is coming up this summer. That's going to be in Denver, right in your backyard, Chris. And um, and it's going to be available as the way. I mean, this is a gift from from the pandemic, right? I don't think there'll be any conferences going forward that won't be blended, both virtual and uh, you know, and and on site. So um, we hope that people who can't who are able to travel can do so. It's the um, the conference fees are very affordable. Come join us. Come have some fun and be prepared to take the next, as Chris said, to take the next week off to be able to <laughs> decompress, figure it out, integrate. I always do this. Truly, I do. Is is I don't I don't come back to a heavy load because oh my goodness sakes, it's it's immersion. It's just it's just an immersion and it's an unfamiliar feeling because we're not accustomed to being with so many others who are like-minded and it's 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 quite unforgettable and it, it it's quite nourishing keep tending the garden and then you know and then there's beautiful people like the two of you who are carrying on the work and sharing it with people all around the world and so you know this is this is what we are this is who we what we do and i'll end with what i just said none of us is done until all of us is done so we got we got more to do we do invite you to join us. It's going to be very special. And it's going to be special for the virtual people, too, who are not. Oh, safe. yeah. You know, we will do our best. Just to put a nice little nightcap on this episode, I'd like to read out a poem. And we can thank Eric for starting this trend. Um, but this is actually one that Dabrowski wrote himself, and it's called Be Greeted Psychoneurotics. And it says, Be greeted, for you see sensitivity in the insensitivity of the world uncertainty among the world's certainties for you often feel others as you feel yourselves for you feel the anxiety of the world and its bottomless narrowness and self-assurance for your phobia of washing your hands from the dirt of the world for your fear of being locked in the world's limitations for your fear of the absurdity of existence for your subtlety and not telling others what you see in them for your awkwardness in dealing with practical things and for your practicalness in dealing with the unknown things, for your transcendental realism and lack of everyday realism, for your exclusiveness and fear of losing close friends, for your creativity and ecstasy, for your maladjustment to that which is and adjustment to that which ought to be, for your great but unutilised abilities for the belated appreciation of the real value of your greatness, which never allows the appreciation of the greatness of those who will come after you, for your being treated instead of treating others, for your heavenly power being forever pushed down by brutal force, for that which is prescient, unsaid, infinite in you, for the loneliness and strangeness of your ways. Be greeted. Thanks, Emma. And thank you, Michelle. What a Thanks. lovely conversation so much fun i ended up having a really good time and i was so scared <laughs> oh i'm so glad we just heard that the last episode when we which we recorded with amanda it was the same it was the same deal so i'm so glad that people end up having fun even though it's scary at first thank you very much for michelle for coming on this was a great conversation you're welcome and chris thank you as well for joining me it's always a pleasure thank you emma it is and thank you to you listeners. Thanks for coming on the journey with us. And I hope you got as much out of this episode as I did. If you're listening to us on Apple or Spotify, please don't forget to hit those little stars and give us a rating. 
And if you've got any questions, feedback, comments, or you want us to discuss any topics, you can reach out to us via email at positivedisintegration.pod at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter or Instagram. And until next time, keep walking that path to your authentic self.